from Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. All right, everybody. We are in a brand... I don't know where to look, Luke. Because we're in a brand new Dude, podcast I really studio. Right now. I even asked Ariel earlier how to sit. Like, how, how, to, do, yeah. how do you sit in these chairs? Everybody, like, if you, you go to youtube.com slash remindermedia or staypaidpodcast.com, not only will you see the new studio, but you'll also see this bionic Iron leg Man. that Luke has. This is the I result said, of his I ACL surgery. Iron Man to somebody the other day at my church, and they're like, you mean like Forrest Gump? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that's probably a little bit closer. That's a little in there dead serious. I was like, yeah, you're Forrest Gump. I'll take Tom Hanks. Well, this is a very special episode. This is episode 100. Dude, yeah. this is a milestone for us. We hard, started hard this. To believe. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's okay. We can clap. Everybody can clap. We started this thing in a, in a closet about a year and a half ago. Then we moved to a larger closet. We ended up in a smaller, nicely... This is a smaller room, (laughs) but it's better furnished. That's what it is. But hey, we have an insanely special guest for this episode. Before we get into that, that's just a little teaser, because what we've been doing lately is actually reading reviews from listeners. Can I first say that the socks, Josh's sock game, is on point. And I'm saying that because you guys got to go to our YouTube channel and check out the video. You got to go to State Paper. Podcast.com, check out the video. Today was the first day, first podcast day I had to think about I, I got what, some socks what pants I was wearing. I got some socks here. Look at those socks. <laughs> and the, the, the audio audience is like, what the heck is going on in this new studio? <laughs> this review came from Hindsight 2020. This is actually a little bit older review, but um, we've only been reading reviews for the last few uh, episodes. So I wanted to read this one out. I absolutely love this podcast. As a new real estate agent, I find tons of golden nuggets. Every time. I listen on my way home from work at least twice a week, so they must be catching up on backlogs. Scheduling time to listen so I can take notes and reference guests and research. If you're in a service industry and not hip to this, you are missing out. Thank you, Hindsight 2020. Send in your reader reviews. You can go to iTunes and leave them. You can also go to Stitcher, I believe also has reviews. But our guest today... It's exciting. It's only taken... I haven't had to write... Years. I haven't had to write an intro for this guy. Yeah. I've known this guy for 17 years. That's right. Luke's known him for 31 years. 31 years. <laughs> well, I don't know if I knew him, but... <laughs> Steve Acri, he is the founder and CEO of Reminder Media, and he's here today to kind of give every all the listeners a little bit of background in terms of, like, how this thing started. I mean, we have a lot of people listening to mm-hmm. us. A lot of people don't even realize that we are a company, right? They think, they, they only know us as a podcast. So it's kind of cool to be able to introduce people to Reminder Media, what we've been doing for the last 17 years with the Steve's leadership, and just kind of dig into, dig into all of that stuff. Yeah, we so actually had a client sign up the other day. I think you heard about this, right? Yeah. Clients sign up and uh, they said they love this podcast. And when our rep told them, oh, that's our podcast, we actually produced that. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm, you know, I mean this podcast. They're like, no, 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 stay paid. That's our podcast. That's our executives on that podcast. And they're like, no way. They had signed up for Reminder Media because through they the heard podcast. An ad on the through podcast. the podcast, not realizing that Stay Paid was produced by Reminder Media and that Josh and I work here. So it's it's like freaking amazing. You know, it's funny because I've been trying to get Steve 
on the podcast for it we feels act, like years. We actually recorded we, we this episode once before. Yes, we, we tried to we get him on. But, it. you know, and you'll come to know, because I want Steve to introduce himself. I want him to share a story. It's just an incredible story. Obviously, Josh, you know, alluded to Steve and I have known each other my whole life, right? So we've known each other. Steve and I have been working together now for almost, it's been almost 10 years uh, when I look back on it, which is kind of crazy. Um, but what you'll know about this guy, this guy, Steve, loves sales but I can't get him in front of a camera. And so today is a historic moment of episode 100 to get him in front of a camera. And I'm hoping, and maybe the audience, if you guys actually just, after you hear this, just text, put comments and say how great it was to encourage this guy to get on camera more, because I know when he actually opens up, and this is what you're gonna learn about him on this podcast, when he opens up and he actually speaks kind of from his heart and the passion that he has for sales, the passion that he has for businesses, there is absolute gold. Damn. So with that being said, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I nice. would ask you, you know, go ahead and share your story. You know, give people the background of, you know, even take it back to your childhood, you know, where you grew up. Going because deep. I think I think we should go deep in this interview because I know your story personally. And I know, you know, people will get a ton of value out of the journey that you've had and what's led you here today to awesome. Reminder Media. And did you ever think it would actually... Get oh, here. I, I knew it was going to be he, this he knew, from yeah, the very correct. beginning. Yeah, from the very beginning. Now, is this is this issue number one? Is this this is episode number, number 100. 100. Well, yeah. See, the reason it's taking me a while, Josh, to get on with you guys is uh, I figured you guys need about 99 before you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> now that it's right. That's probably true. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't know how far I, I, you want me to go back. I think for me, you started at a really young age. Obviously, mom and dad were missionaries, and so... Um, growing up overseas gives you a whole different perspective on on life and and everything, uh, but just from a very very young age, I always had um, I guess the sales just very natural. And where'd you grow up natural. overseas? Grew up in South America and Uruguay. Okay. And it's uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a real small country that's underneath Brazil and to the right of Argentina. Lots of times when I say that, they they think sometimes it's even in Africa and other places when you tell me from <laughs> from Uruguay. But no, and um, and it was a great experience. I wouldn't trade that for for anything. I think it. I think when you grow up uh, overseas and you have all types of uh, much broader experiences, not just in one thing, it just really helps you because you know life is about you know relationships. Everything about this organization where we're at today, I think, is people. You know, even when I met this guy, when I first 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 brought we'll him. We'll have to get board. into that story the first okay. time we met Josh. Too, but I, I think uh, growing up overseas and having a lot of those experiences really um, gave me a much broader way to just relate to people. And I think that's really the key to sales is just relating with people. So when you grew up overseas, because I know you've shared this with me before, you talked about, you know, your missionary's kid. And, and I have camaraderie at this because I am was a pastor's kid. And I've mm. shared on the podcast before, you know, my dad's salary, I think, was 11 grand uh, when he started out <laughs> as a pastor. Yeah. Um, so in, in eight kids, and uh, it's insanity. So that's a whole other podcast in and of itself. But you, you talked about, you know, growing up poor in, in a sense, and then also being overseas, and there's uh, there's other types of poverty. But then you you went to school with you know the people, the ambassadors' kids. Yep. You went to school there, and the effect that had on you. Share a little bit about that experience, because I know you did stuff with your clothes. You started selling stuff because I've heard some of those stories. Heard some of these yeah, stories. I think the, the the funniest story of it all. I think when you talk about seeing different perspective, it's like uh, I think sometimes. We uh, misinterpret what poverty really is. Mm. You know, what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes people—I don't want to say as as abroad, but you might think, "Oh man, I don't have anything," or "I, you know, I'm 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 really financially not well off," or, or whatever. But 
when you grow up and you see kids coming and knocking on your door and asking, you know, for food, and you, you know, you see your mom starting to give food around and have this big long line, all the kids are coming. You just that level of poverty just opens your eyes to to a little bit different. Now, I, I'd like to say when I grew up, mom always tells the funny story that I. I I don't want to date myself, though, if I use this, but okay, I will. Uh, uh, I guess o- OP, Ocean Pacific, back in, I guess, was the, the hot thing. And all the kids, oh, yeah. remember, all the kids that were, when I was growing up, all the kids that when I went to school with the uh, military and everything, they had all that, and I didn't. So I always used to tell mom, you know, I can't wait until until I can, you know, buy the ones that I want, because mom would be buying me other stuff or not to be funny i'd be wearing your dad's and and jimmy's clothes the hand-me-downs and everything <laughs> you know so i always i i, I you know you always want to probably have some of those and the funniest story is i had one pair of and i told us a bunch of times i had one pair of uh, nike or nike whichever way you say it i had one pair of shoes but the problem in in, in your guys when you're playing basketball um you just wear out the soles i mean you could literally wear I mean, those were asphalt courts, not in, in the States, at least when you have your courts, they don't wear your, your shoes out. But like you could literally, if you played a hard game basketball, you could wear the, you know, you could wear the sole out. But I only had one pair for a couple of years. But the way I maintained it as I went down to the local rubber factory and convinced the general manager, my mom was like, you're never going to do this. Um, I would have been 15 or 16. And uh, I convinced them to cut me the rubber, the excess rubber that was left over off what, whatever they were making, it was this yellow, it was about that thick, you know, and it's like convinced them to cut me a pattern off on the shoes. And then when it was excess rubber, they would cut me a couple extra on those. And then I would take those and just glue them to the bottom of my shoe. And, <laughs> and that is resourcefulness. That is, no. that is. And then <laughs> when you, that salesmanship to too. General manager. I agree, to get them to do it. And then when it would wear out, I would, I would, uh, uh, I shouldn't say, so I'd paint it white, you know, just to keep it white, you know, to keep it going. So I had that one pair of shoes literally for about a year and a half, almost maybe two years. Oh my gosh. So. so, you know, obviously you learn perspective growing up overseas. You know the different. You get to you know talk to tons of different people and learn from tons of different perspective. You came to the states in college. Mm-hmm. I came for back college uh, for college. Yep. yep. Uh, Mom and dad stayed down there, so it was uh, <clears throat> that was an interesting experience just for me. It, it was uh, not a cultural shock. One of the things I've always said is that if you grow up in the states and you lived in a certain town, you can kind of always go back to where you live and you've got relationships. You know, mm-hmm. I came back. I came back to the states with. Um, with uh, no relationships, I guess. You know, I went to college. I can remember Jimmy, my older brother. Um, I can remember him, you know, taking me up and just, you know, dropping me off. And uh, it's a moment where you just realize, you know, hey, I'm you're not in Kansas anymore. I'm not in Kansas no. anymore. <laughs> um, and so it was a, an interesting experience. It, college was good, but it was, um, you know, it was really different for me. Is uh, college where you got your first entrepreneurial spirit besides, or entrepreneur venture besides the tennis shoes? Yeah, well, I don't think I've ever told you this, but in, in college, uh, my college roommate and I, who we ended up working together later on, but he and I tried to start a, uh, didn't go well, we tried to start a painting company. That that uh, Like painting houses? Or? Yeah, like painting houses. We, we Now it all makes sense, the fumes. Yeah, I guess. Fumes it now it all makes rubber sense. fumes, <laughs> paint fumes. <laughs> but I remember we bought a, uh, we, got, we got so excited because we, we, we thought, oh man, we'll just go paint houses for people. So we bought one of those uh, electric spray guns and everything. Yeah. But uh, I don't think we ever sold a single client. <laughs> that didn't work very well. Uh, and I think we tried a couple other things through college that never, that didn't really go anywhere. But it was the first foray into just saying, hey, 
You know, how, how do you do a business? I mean, how do you start? You know, probably that mistake was we bought all the infrastructure and didn't figure out how we're going to sell it. Mm. So that was maybe the first inkling. Dude, that's huge. That that's I a golden nugget right that, there. That says, uh, if you can't figure out how to sell it, you know, you really don't And not have to anything. fast forward too far, because we've told this story on the podcast before, but when, you, when we started Reminder Media, you sold it before we figured out how to make it. Yeah, that was <laughs> So that's a life lesson right there. <laughs> it is, man. I've shared it before that Grant Cardone, like, that's the same thing he says as an entrepreneur, is all entrepreneurs die because the space they put between the idea and monetization is so wide. And usually yeah. that space is filled with infrastructure so stuff. Idea. Yeah. Right? right, and then you spend so much time before monetization of the idea. Yeah. And you know, that's obviously the key. And we still have that even in our own organization. Sometimes we, you know, we're Trust trying, me. we're trying to figure out. 10 Josh and I met, to, met today, and we we said the same of thing. Just moving forward, you know, when there's a good idea, take the idea and figure out if it's going to work. It's kind of, and I'm not jumping ahead, but it's kind of what we try to do with our clients right now. Is what are good ideas? Let's execute on the ideas and get the feedback from our clients to say, hey, that's a really good idea or that's a bad idea. Well, if it's a really good idea, then you can invest money, time, resources, people into building it, you know, but it's very hard as you get, as you become a bigger and bigger organization, you know, we tend to do all the stuff first instead of just figuring out, you know, will the client, is this something that's going to, that the client's going to use and to work? So that's, you know, that was probably, like I said, going back, that was the first inkling. I had two or three of those things where after you bought a paint gun and bought this and bought that and spent all this money and then you realize no one wants to buy yeah, it. Yeah, no one wants to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have all that money back that I spent. So those would kind of be some of the first things that we tried. So what was your first real success you feel in, in entrepreneurship? Like when did you feel like you had something? Well, I think for I think for me, like after college, I, I moved out to Texas, yep. and I ended up working for General Dynamics, uh, which is a government contractor, and um, I didn't last too long there. I didn't last too long there, and the reason being, I think, was that is uh, as an entrepreneur, I think an entrepreneur's mind has it just thinks a little bit differently, and suddenly I'm in an organization, and uh, I can't fix inefficiencies, I can't execute. I've got five hoops I've got to jump through before right. I can, you know, so you're looking at that and you're looking around. And so uh, um, I didn't last very long there. <laughs> I didn't last long at all. Um, so and then I, I moved on, I got my MBA and probably the first um, entrepreneurial uh, experience that I had that was that was really good is after that, I kind of realized, okay, I do want to have my own my own thing. I want to be in control of my future as an entrepreneur. It's not just as an entrepreneur. It's not just seeing an opportunity, but there also has to be some motivation that you kind of want to control your, you, you know, you want to have control. You want to have freedom. Your, yeah, you want to have freedom. Yeah. So I think the first one uh, that I did is after I got my MBA, um, which is great. I don't know how. Which is great. I, it's great, <laughs> yeah, to have an MBA, but I'd say uh, the- Don't M get me started. Yeah, on. well, the MBA of life is a lot better. Yes. So- you get your MBA, you're going out there, now you got to look It's a golden nugget, nugget yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Nugget. What is that you guys is thinking? Golden <laughs> yeah, nugget. That's our right. thing. <laughs> that's your thing, all right? Um, so when you get out there and you and you get the MBA and, and suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm finished, and I'm like, now what? Yeah, now what? Now I've either got to get a job or, you know, right. i got to do something. And um, so while I was getting my MBA, though, I probably should step back. One of the, th one of the first things where I made... Tell you what, yeah, this is the first one that made a couple things click for. I don't know if I've been told, I think I may have told you, but may I not. When I was getting my MBA at TCU, Texas Christian University, they have a big um, 
fraternity and sorority system. And so in one of my MBA classes, I had a gentleman I'm still friends with, but he had, he had watched me using um, uh, Quark Express on Mac software, designing some stuff up. And he goes, hey, could you do a directory with me? He goes, I'm on the IFC. And so he goes, I, I can do this directory of all the students. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is pretty easy. I can, I can design it up and we can put a cover on it. He goes, hey, here's what we'll do. We'll go sell all these ads. And, and then we'll use that money to pay for the books and give it to all the fraternity for free, members for free and the sorority members for free. And so that was probably the first one because I didn't, I didn't understand any of that. But he just got on the phone and started calling the, the cleaners, the pizza, the, the um, um, alcohol store, the, all the different places where the kids were going to frequent and so forth. And he's just selling these ads. I watched him do one or two and thought, you know, that's easy. I can do that. Do that. <laughs> so I'm like, so he was at first was like, hey, you'll just design the book. You'll just design the book. And I'm like, well, I can design a book. I'll do that in a night. I'll get on and start closing. So in literally in less than probably 10 days, uh, we, we made, we made, uh, we made some money. <laughs> it's just like, we made more money in the two weeks than, you know, maybe at Jump Dynamics I'd made, say, a couple months. I was just kind of wow. like, oh, wow, that, that worked. It triggered you the power of sales. It probably did at that moment. It was just, it happens. And it was, I shouldn't say it was an easy sale. One thing about sales is like, if the need is there, you know, like, like I think that's part of the reason why we're at where we're at today is the need was so strong when we started back then. So, and I can talk about that more in the future, but in this case, you know, every one of the, the people that we talked to, whether it be the pizza place, the dry cleaning place, they all want to capture the freshmen that were coming in. And they realize, and then you want to capture people whose disposable incomes, not that all fraternity and sorority members, their incomes are, are stronger. Yeah, they just have more disposable income. Mm. So they were just like, they were just like, I they mean. They wanted that. Yes. Yeah, I, I laughed and told, um, well, we, we underpriced this thing, you know, because it was just kind of like everything was selling so quick. It was just like. Uh, um, it was just boom. How and many years did you do? The well, I did it every year because I was uh, I was a hall director for a few years, and so I, my MBA was it was really it wasn't really part time. But the beautiful part about it was if you worked at the school, they'll pay for it. Gotcha. So, but you can only do six hours or like nine hours. So yeah, for a couple two and a half years, I was just a hall director, which was great because it was fun, and I'm taking just small classes and so it was and so we did that every semester we did it so how did semester. you get from selling fraternity books sorority books or directories basically with ads well the next doing thing, the magazine the next thing that i did because once we'll graduate i turned around and thought hey let's just put these marker boards up <clears> on every student's door because all these vendors they want to get to these students so then what i did is i just made up a big 11 by 17 sheet put their ads around the edge and slapped a pen on it that's beautiful. And convinced uh, the, well, I shouldn't say I convinced, student development, I was working there, so I had a nice You just end. did it. <laughs> I pretty much, no, I didn't just do it, but I went and said to my boss, I was like, hey, I just want to do this. Do you, do you mind if I do this? And he's like, oh, that's a great thing. It'll be great service for the for the, all the students. Well, I don't have a board on there where people can leave messages mm -hmm. for them. And so then I did that, and I made 20 boards, sold prime corners, sold them for more. And then I started realizing how you price things to make it all work. And I did that every semester. It was easy because it was it was funny because you you would just call the vendors and they would just want to be in it. And and uh, my younger brother um, at the time, I always tell this funny story because one of the vendors was buying just the top five. It was paying out what was what seemed to be outrageous to me at the time. Mm -hmm. It was outrageous numbers for that. 
And so I was trying to teach Don a little bit, my younger brother, how to sell. So I told him, hey, you're going to call all the vendors. And uh, so he goes in and he's calling all the vendors and he comes in and he says, hey, this one vendor doesn't want the five squares at the top. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean? What are you doing? And he always tells this story. The next time you see him, you can laugh and ask him about this story because I don't think I've told you this one. And so I'm like, Don, there's no way they don't want it. You know, and he's like, he's like, I called, they just didn't want it. So I remember, here, give me the number. So I called the guy and I'm just, the guy answered, I don't even know this guy's name, but I'm just like, hey, this is Steve. We do the, the student message boards on things, the all five, it's XYZ. I just wanna make sure you don't want it. Cause I got four other people kind of just like you who want these five squares. <laughs> and I just wanna make sure, cause you had told Don here, my person who's selling these for me that he didn't want it, you didn't want it. So as long as you don't want it, I just wanna verify before I give it away. <laughs> and this guy's like, Okay, right. Send send me the contract. <laughs> oh so, man, it's just show you're creating natural urgency. Yeah, creating yeah. demand. No yeah, one wants well, to be left But that out. was like the prime. I mean, that was like the top of the board. So you know, you, you went from there. But then the next one. So right after that one, once I finished my MBA, then once I finished the MBA, it was kind of like time to move on from being a hall director. Although it was a fun job, I always recommend that. I just recommend it. It was a fun <laughs> job. But, uh, and then we're not going to tell the stories in this podcast, but some, I got some great stories out there. That's That's between two ferns. That's right, between two. <laughs> if you go watch our video right now, you'll see that Steve is between two, two ferns. ferns. I think these are ferns. I have no idea. I'm I not think a that's a person. fern. I think well, that's I, a... I said that's a little baby fern. This is a there. succulent, right, Ariel? No, that's like a cactus. Okay. Oh, it's, sorry. It's okay. I don't know plants. All right, let's keep going on the story. So right. you, you finished selling so the market I, I boards. I didn't have anything to do, so I was sitting there for a little bit trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And um, the passbook at the time, which is the big coupon book, um, they were selling a ton of those and making some good money. And I just thought, you know, when you look at the passbook, one of the problems with the passbook, if, if, if for the listeners that don't know what it is, it's a big old coupon book, but it's as big as the um, phone directory. It's just huge. I think it's, it's still done. It, it's probably, is this for the students? Is for the no, this is just for all over the United nationwide. States. It's come nationwide. Oh. They called it the uh, um, the passbook. And they would sell well, a that, rep. That one dated you, that reference. It did. Yeah. It probably did. Thanks. <laughs> the Ocean Pacific was fine, that one. <laughs> well, that was hand-me-downs for you, too, probably. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> But so anyway, so I'm looking at it, and the biggest problem with the passbook, because the, the kids use it as fundraisers, uh, both the baseball leagues, softball leagues, all the different. And so they sell a lot of them. But the problem is it's so big, you, you put it in your trunk or you put it on, on, your, uh, on your bookcase or something like that. Yeah, and then you carry it around, right? Yeah, you never never use it. Yeah. And then the other thing is when I just took a look at the passbook, when I critiqued it, I thought to myself, man, there's only about, you know, there's only about 100 in here that you want. And there's literally thousands in this thing. And it's newspaper print. Mm. So it's kind of cheap looking. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I, not cheap. It was just, you know, it's printed very uh, price conscious. It looked like crap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for defining that, Luke. I appreciate that. But anyway, so I thought, what if you made, just took the best hundred? And then what would you call it? Like the best hundred? You know, what would you, how would you, what would you do with it? And then as I just formulated it in my mind, I thought to myself, and I, I don't know whether because I was at the bank depositing a check or something, I thought, oh man, what if you what if you took the hundred best and just called them freedom checks? And <laughs> <laughs> packaged them in a little teeny thing, and then guys could carry it in their in their jackets yeah. and, and women could have it in their purse, and then you're actually gonna have it. And the hundred ones that you wanna be in there or people that you wanna have in there. So I thought, um, hey, I wonder if that would, I wonder if I could sign up the vendors, you know. So instead of making one, 
before I did that, I thought, I wonder would people would people use that as a fundraiser? And then, of course, what would they pay for this, something like mm. that? So then I went out, and I think I went to the Red Raiders, um, where I was living, the Red Raiders is a sports organization, and, and I got a hold of the, the guy who was the commissioner of the entire league, because they had like 2,500 kids, and I thought, 2,500 kids, each one selling four, there's 10,000. Okay, let's go see if this guy will do it. <laughs> so I went to see him, and, and I brought the big passbook, because they had sold the passbook, but hadn't had a lot of success with it. And so I went. Is anyone else doing that as fundraisers at this point? Yeah, yeah. There was. Oh, there were, well, there was a lot of people doing this. Well, what happened is Passbook, I think, got to the point where people were buying it every year. Okay. So you would just buy it. But then I think what they, I don't know this for sure, but I think what they did is instead of splitting the 50 50 on it, they were given only a smaller amount. So you kind of lost your fundraising edge. Because if you'd sold a bunch of Passbooks and gotten the 50 on the 40, I think it's over 40 bucks. I can't remember, but you were getting 20 on each one of those. You know what I mean? But then all of a sudden, so you when, when you were buying money. it, when you started buying it, instead of getting 20 because you bought it, your organization only got like five. Gotcha. So okay. did you end up selling a lot of freedom checks? Yeah, I sold a lot of freedom checks. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I sold a lot of freedom checks. Well, what happened was I, what I did is I went and talked to that guy and several others, and I said, what if it was this? And instead of being $40, because that was, a, that was a tougher sale for the sure. kids to do, what if you just made it 20 and you got 10? Mm. And he was like, oh, that would be really good. And who are you going to have in there? And I just went and, and picked off like 30 of the best that were in there. And then also a lot of vendors that were good vendors wouldn't want to be in there because if because you were going to get a ton of these. They were printing like 40,000 of these things. So I was like, I was like, hey, we're only going to do 15,000 and that's it. So your maximum exposure, because some of the better vendors. So if you got a restaurant or something, they weren't too nervous that it was going to. Yeah, they were going to get yeah. pounded. Like, and I forget the name of the one guy. That the funny story on that was I got uh, Billy Miners. I got Billy Miners in downtown Fort Worth, and uh, so I got him in. And that was like having an anchor tenant in a shopping center. That's all that was, man. With when I went to the it other helped you Billy sell. Miner. It helped you sell the other people. Yeah, no, I mean a, that's a, a sales. Tip is once you close somebody, it's like for us if we close a top producer, yep, so much easier. It's like what we're doing so well right now is when we close (laughs) that one realtor who's going to work with us and we can change their lives. We're helping that realtor communicate with their clients, build a relationship, create the human edge. We are making sure every other realtor in that office knows about it, aren't we, guys? (laughs) Aren't we? Okay, that's a side point. I'm gonna throw that chase that. You can cut that (laughs) later if you don't want. But anyway, so what I realized is with Billy Miners in the book. Then I went. Then I, I went and got five or six of the really good ones in. Then I made a secondary la- layer of people that I thought these would be really good, but the reason they're in there, they're scared of it. So I just called them up real quickly. Went and saw one or two of them. Got both of them. So now I only had like I already had like six or seven really good anchors in my mall, mm-hmm. and I was off to the races at that point. Because then what all I did was I, I got the vendors in the checkbook because I only needed a hundred, and they were falling like like dominoes because. Once you got a couple big names, yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. What we're doing in here, we have more and more better realtors that are working with us, and we're getting more and more of the of the testimonials, the experiences, and all the rest of it. It's leveraging that. So what I did was I leveraged that. I put all the people in the book, and like literally, I literally got all hundred into the book in less than two weeks. I mean, it was just like I was going. I can remember some days I was going in and seeing literally twelve appointments. Did you uh, sell all fifteen thousand? Hmm. In about forty-five days, dang, that's a lot of money. It was. It was. It was. It was like ah, 
okay, I had one epiphany, you know. So then, what so I, did you try to scale that? I like, did. Why that? I did. So what happened? What meaning? What happened? Like you, you self? No, this is something that I don't know. This is, this is one of the. It. This was one of the first things that I don't know that I've ever told you this, um, uh, Lou, because I'm because obviously I have a chance to really you know help you and and Josh and the other senior execs with some experiences I've had. Yeah. Then I hired some people. <laughs> We talk about this on the podcast. We do. We talk about building a team. It's yeah. actually one of the biggest pain points. It's it the, is. It's, it's the number one pain you're, point. You're trying to get out of your business and delegate. Yeah. And how do you do that effectively without failing? Mm-hmm. And a crazy amount of businesses fail. Well, that's like in, when in, you're in, hiring. In, in real estate, you know, if you're going to build a team around you, yep. you have to do the same thing. It's the same pain point. It's the same pain point. It's, And I probably back then didn't understand anything about expectations and accountability and execution when the accountability is positive and execution when the accountability is not positive. I didn't understand any of that. I just thought everybody's like me. Everybody's like me. Let's just hire them. Let's just hire them. And they're they're Steve. All you have to do is you're going to show them and you're going to give them the majority of the profits. You're going to pick a little piece of it, but you're going to give them and change these these people's lives. But Mm, there's a huge golden nugget in there. Is because uh, real estate agents make this mistake too. Is you think you can, if you just give people the majority, like a lot of commission or a lot, like you can It'll fix, you can yeah. fix things They'll with money. Out, We've right. made that mistake even in Reminder Media over yep. the years. Is you yep. think you can fix it with money and you can't. can't right? you it's got to be internal cannot. to the person. Yeah. So I hired uh, and I had I got four markets up. Four. Yeah, and I it was know. going, but. Uh, but uh, it just got harder and harder because yeah, I'm having to motivate people, you know. And some people's motivations is to a certain level, you know. And mm-hmm. so they get to a certain point, and I'm not saying they're happy. But if you're if you've only been making this, and now you're suddenly making that, but you know you don't have the vision to mm-hmm. that, you know. It's really about you know it's helping people, which is where I'm at today. My goal today is to try to help. The people around me to have bigger visions of what they're capable of, bigger visions of what they can do, you mm, know, that's and, good. and not limit themselves on their experiences or not limit themselves on reminder media. You know, so often people will say, well, the reason I'm not doing this is because reminder media, my manager, whatever. It's, it's helping people understand that you can go as high as you want. You know, what's the difference between the realtors in the top 3% and you as a realtor who's not? There are no differences other than they believe. And that belief allows them to execute. And that was my first foray. And all of a sudden, I've got some people around me. And then I don't know how to give them, you know, I don't know how to, I don't how know how to, how to, how to get belief. them. I don't know how to get them to, since we're on a podcast and people can't see, you know, people sometimes they, they can only see, they can only it's see. Like a tunnel. Yeah. And they can't, in the, the secret to good leadership and the secret to really loving people is trying to help them just, just. Try those blinds yes, off. Yes, get them off. Get them off. And, and know that you can have anything that you can achieve, anything you want to do. It's true. We live in the greatest country. It's true. We are not in Russia. We are not in China. We are not, we are not in, and it's not a critique of those countries. It's like the systems in those countries aren't like the systems that we have here in the, the U.S. So you can do anything. Anything you want to set your mind to. In fact, it's better to find your passion in what you want to do and do that because money will follow. Money will follow, but the passion, you, you can't peg someone into that. You know what I love is the 
belief, execution comes from belief and yeah. money comes from execution. That's so right. it's like it all comes back to, you know, having that belief. And you think of Elon Musk right now right. trying to build this tunnel yeah, in LA. And when you, they interview him, he's just like, you know, I'm just tired of the traffic in LA. I live yeah. here. It's my hometown. I'm just tired so of I'm it. And fix I figured that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to fix it. Yep. And it's just, as, will he fix it? He doesn't know. Yeah. He doesn't even know. He said on this interview I watched, he doesn't even know if it will work, if yeah. the Hyperloop will work or whatever yeah, it's The called. best was, and I think I sent it to you, the best was when they're interviewing him and the guy is trying to tell him that it can't be done. Yeah. And he's just beating on Elon. This is the one because when it slows down, yeah, it kills he goes, a human. He goes, you can, when it you're tries taking to stop. a human from 3,000 miles an hour or whatever it is and slowing them down to, to stopping and you're going to do it within like 45 seconds. It will and kill him. It will kill him. And Elon Musk goes... Yeah, that's an issue. <laughs> you know, what, what I'm looking at is I'm saying to you, you know, there's someone Work that sees, that. you know, and, and you've probably told this story, Josh, but like when we first started this, it's the same thing, you know, when that when we when I knew we needed to close all those realtors at, in the York meeting that we had, we just need we need yep. them. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna close them. <laughs> you know, we're gonna close them right now, right now. And that's me. And when that one lady who who says. Well, I don't have a photo, so how am I going to do that? I guess I'm not going to do it. Oh no, we got to take we, care. Of. We have a green screen. Yeah, <laughs> we have a we have a green screen with digital camera. We're going to come out. And we're going to shoot everybody in the office. And then right around the table, everybody's like, "Oh, okay, okay, that that's how, that's that makes total sense." Okay, and and then they're signing a contract, which was just like put. It didn't. It was like we're our our agreement was. We're going to print a magazine and mail it on your behalf. <laughs> Sign your name here. I guess there's a little element, the same thing what Elon Musk is saying. He's just saying, I don't know, but I'm going to But he's very practical about yes, it. Yes. Yeah, I think so. the breakdown for humans so often, and I think it's a little bit of our conditioning in, our, in the systems we grow up in from, from education systems and stuff like that, but is that we don't realize it's just problem solving. Yeah, right. That you can literally, like if your client has a problem with the house, with the contract, with the, even if you don't know, yeah. just go solve. solve the problem. Just go figure it out. Research, call the people yeah. who might know. Look up on the internet. Go to your local library. But so often we don't think that way, and so it yeah. just stifles us and well, we stifles also think the growth. Like the amount of time it's going to take to go solve that problem. So you're like, well, I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you're spending all the rest of your time trying to generate business where all you had to do was go solve that all problem for that do. person. Yeah, it's great. And point. there's your business. Nah, it's such a good point. And it comes back. It comes back to conditioning. It, and, and when you're when you're raised, it comes into that. And also, I think it also comes back to like if you had to. You know, make things happen a little bit. If you've if, had, right? Yeah, if you've you had, had to some be resourceful. That, yes, yes, <laughs> if you had to be resourceful. I mean, some of that, you, then you naturally. That's the contour or contours, Cortez mentality that they talk about all yeah, the time. Burning the boat. Burn, burn the, burn the boat. Yeah. Because it makes you become resourceful. Mm -hmm. It makes you become resourceful. So talk about, so you tried to scale it, didn't work. Yeah. Um, that taught you, the people side of it. Right. That, that, that made me realize that is the key. That and you mentioned a, a couple key things in there. You mentioned this idea of setting expectations holding accountable and rewarding the execution, both on the success side and on the failure side. And I think that's a really good golden nugget to point out to the listeners is that that is leadership 101, is set expectations, trust but verify, right, which is the accountability portion, and then reward and discipline.
And I think most people fall down at the discipline. Yeah, the, discipline the, 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 the hard third part. one, the third one, that is the key. That is I mean, the Josh could probably talk about this with his kids. It's the same with your kids. <laughs> so I got a text uh, today that my son um, has lost bathroom privileges at school. No way. Because How he, do you lose bathrooms? He's, he's <laughs> locking the stalls and crawling out from underneath them. <laughs> so the other... So now he has to use the nurse. So what is it like? Father like weeks. son? The apple Dude, doesn't fall far I, from the tree. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm not certain. I texted my mom to find out. I'm pretty sure I had the same exact thing when I was a kid. That's amazing. <laughs> Regardless of what your business is, you know that building your brand is crucial, but it's also not easy. And good information about how to do it can be tough to find. That's why we put together an ebook called The Relationship Marketer's Guide to Branding, which lays out a step by step process for creating a strong brand at a fraction of what bigger advertisers spend. Best of all, you can download it right now for free. Just go to ReminderMedia.com slash branding. That's ReminderMedia.com slash branding. Take action on this today. So then how do you jump from Freedom Checkbooks, trying to scale it, didn't work, you move on from that. Mm -hmm. And is that when you started the first magazine? No, I was doing two or three other things. I was trying to figure a bunch of different things out. So while I was doing freedom checks, I was also, I had a, a couple of corporate accounts. And so I was doing that and um, learning to manage some people. And then I had the opportunity to uh, participate in a magazine that that um, didn't last long. I think it lasts like a year and a half, but I had a chance to participate from, from a ownership position and from a sales position where I was selling the ads. So from there, I, I had in that experience, I learned about kind of how magazines are done and, and created. And, um, and then from there, I was going to start my own magazine, like right after that, but and along a little different vein than where, where this one ended up and the one before that. But in that magazine, I, um, I, I sold uh, national ads. So I, I, I continued the sales side, which is strong. And then I got to, I'm, I'm, I can also operate, you know, I like, I like both sides of it. I much prefer sales than I do, you know, operations, you know, and meetings and things of that nature. <laughs> You love meetings. I, I love meetings. Let's have meetings. Yeah. Death, if the death, only thing you get from this podcast is death by meetings. Death, death by meetings. Steve is an advocate of that. Of death by meetings. Yes, death by meetings. But uh, no, so I enjoy the sales. So I, I, I did fairly well in terms of selling the ads to Purina and Imes. It was a pet magazine. And so so I learned that side of it. And I think in, in the 100th uh, issue video that I did, I spoke a little bit about this was after that magazine ended or didn't make it, I'm, I was once again back at ground zero. I mean, I've gone, there's nothing like uh, getting to a certain level and then going right back down to zero. I don't want to go there ever again, but I'm just saying this. <laughs> we, we, we have had, I mean, it's a common thing. So yeah. many people that we have successful people on this podcast and we've, we've been able to interview, you hear it over and over yep. again. It's complete resets. We had Jean, yeah. um, Festini. He had to reset in four different markets. Mm-hmm. We've had Kim Angela. She's reset. Dean Thurman of White Glove had reset multiple times. It's crazy. So if you're at that place where you're you're hitting it's like a, a low, yeah, it's like a starting over. What you what you get to do when you start over is you know all the mistakes that you made, right? You know, it's also risk reward, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're taking yeah, a big you, risk. You and take a, big a little reward, different, bigger risk than when you do it, but yeah. but it's just that resetting ability to this. So when I was when when the company w- w- went out and it was and it, no, that magazine no longer existed, you know, I'd learned some things and I was back down to zero and just figuring out. I mean, I can remember at the time I was literally laying out by the pool uh, at my apartment, my condo there, forward trying to figure out well. 
Is it finally time to get a job? Is it finally time to go back to back to the dynamics? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny about that is I can remember mom and dad, and, and what's funny is sometimes the people that that love you the most they don't they don't have some of the experiences they don't understand they don't understand so their loving advice that they give you um, you sucks to, no it doesn't. <laughs> Let's just be real. This is in between two ferns now. Is it, is it? So it's All like. Right. The loving advice you get from your parents. Well, I can just remember mom and dad saying, "Well, you know, you know, you're you're reaching certain age, and you know, then it's like, where's your four hundred one k? Settle down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing about that, but okay, all right. But what I'm saying is, is you you just realize, you know, mom and dad were saying this to me. Even I'd say Jimmy and Alan, your dad and and them and and. and I didn't have a lot of mentorship going along the way. Like, whereas now I have certain people around me that I can that are that can mentor me. But having a mentor is just huge because you're sitting there, and the mentor should be someone that's a little further along from you in, mm-hmm. than you are. Because so often when I talk to people, and you might and they're they're experiencing something, and I'll ask them, "Well, what do you think?" Or you know, and they'll they'll tell me what everyone that hasn't arrived to where they're at. They'll tell me all the things that they're saying, and I'll be like, "So what do you think?" And and they'll 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 fail to realize. Wait a second, you need to ask people that are further down the road than you. Now, some people that are further down the road got lucky, didn't work hard. So sometimes they take that. But I will tell you that the best advice that I've ever gotten from people, it's always people that are further down the road, because mm-hmm. when you tell them, "Hey, it didn't make it," a background zero, then they can. The guidance that I would have given myself at that moment is that said, dude, you just figured out how to do publishing. You've figured your sales. Mm-hmm. You've now hired people. You've managed people. I would tell them, I would tell that Steve, keep going. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't stop. You know, figure out whatever you're gonna do. Don't stop. Don't go get a job. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can remember I had uh, I had some people that were getting the interviews. I can remember some interviews that I had. Teaching Play Smart was in the startup. Um, and I could have gone there. Um, I did go there for just a little bit, but I wasn't there very long when I realized, what am I doing? This is not what I want. So I remember after I left there, I'm sitting at the, at the pool and, and that it was that time that I was out on an air and I was just driving down. I think I said, and, and if you haven't seen it, you should watch our hundredth year uh, video. It's in the issue video. It's really, really good. That'll um, be coming out in a month. In a month. Okay, yeah. so when that comes out, you definitely want to see that. So I'll kind of give away a little piece of that. I was just driving down, and 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 I'd realized pet owners, because it was a pet magazine, pet owners are what you want to get. We weren't getting them fast enough for subscriptions. And it was in that moment when I went by Hewlett uh, Animal Clinic. And I'll leave it at that. you got to go through the rest. Yes, I, I like the teaser. Uh, there you go, a little teaser. <laughs> I like the teaser. I'm learning from you, Jeff. But it was, it was in that opportunity that then I realized, hey, there's an opportunity. And that's where... I, I did the first one where I put together all these things that I had learned and I, I put them together and just took off. I, I just went. And what I mean by that is I rented an office space that <laughs> had, had blood on the walls, right? It was an, it old, did. It was an old medical clinic. Or it was medical an old medical clinic. clinic. It was. It was like, it's a great rate though. Yeah. It was very good. <laughs> the leasing rate was extremely good. But what, and they had the little doctor's offices. And I think there was like on that one wing, we started on that one wing where there was four or five of those little teeny, you know, offices where you go in to see the doctor. Yeah. And even nowadays when you go to the doctor, they're much bigger. You know, this was a bunch of years ago where, and it was a, it was a, uh, it was a um, 
clinic for lower income housing, sure. lower housing. So it was, it was like, so they were just like, I mean, you could barely get into them in some ways. But that was enough to put the desk and put the calling stations in there. Plugged his phone in. We didn't have the magazine. Um, and but we knew who he needed to sell was a veterinarian. But so. you basically you created a pet magazine in your mind. You hadn't created it. Yet. No, no, no. Yeah, but in you my said mind, I'm going to do a gonna pet magazine. We're going to do a pet magazine. These veterinarians, we're going to start helping them educate their clients on the value of going to the vet because I knew they had pressure from um, Petco and, and PetSmart with the Banfields and the Petco Shot Clinics. And so I, I already knew the pressure point from the veterinarian was. They weren't really educating. So I already knew what the pressure point was, but I had no magazine, didn't have a customer service rep. I didn't have a way to charge a credit card. We didn't have anything. And so me and- You had a phone. We had a phone. Me and my college roommate, uh, at the time, he was ready to do something different. And I don't want to say I convinced him to do this, but I convinced him to do this. (laughs) I mean, he literally- Talk to on on me on what I said, hey, we can sell this. Because I'd already sold, so I knew we can sell this. And so he went out and talked to one veterinarian, one, on a Sunday afternoon. I talked to him on a, on a Thursday, I think it was. He went and saw the veterinarian like on like a Sunday that he knew from his church. Calls me up and says, all right. I'm in. So I'm in. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, so I'm just going to come to California. And I'm like, because I was in Huntington Beach at the time. And I'm like, I'm like, uh. And at the time, I kind of, <laughs> I hadn't taken the jump myself. I mean, I had taken the jump like completely you telling just, everybody. You just threw the, the bait out there. Yeah, I did. I did. Bob would yeah, bite. Bob would bite. And, uh, and, he, and he bit. And so he's like, I'm going to get a plane ticket. I'll be out there on like Friday. Well, Bob worked what for Merrill Lynch mm-hmm. at the time? So he left Merrill Lynch. Yeah, he, he moves out to California. Yeah, you guys rent the space. You grab this a phone. was this was a moment. There's certain moments along the journey that of, of my life that I can remember like yesterday, like yesterday. Some with you, I can remember like yesterday. I can <laughs> remember yesterday. I can do. <laughs> I cannot I remember yesterday. I was going to make the comment that the garage that we were in in that video. Yes. That's not the what the garage that we were in. Yeah, it was. No, it was. But I'm saying, see how nice that garage. Oh was. yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. that was like it was not like the garage. That garage is beautiful. You know, Norm spent some money on they that. They had the one that we that, had. Yeah. Hey, well, gentlemen, we won't get into what you know memories, half memories okay. are yeah, made well, up and embellished. Here's a moment. Here's a moment that I remember. It's like. So that morning we came in to start calling, and I can remember, I, I sat there with Bob real quickly, and, and I said, okay, now listen, man, here's, here's how we're going to sell this. This is what you're going to do and say. And now, i got to understand, a broker, a stockbroker, is, I mean, they don't even, I don't want to, I shouldn't say this, there might be some clients of ours, I said, you're close selling, they're, they're selling, yeah, close your ears, you've got, they're salespeople. Yes, you know, they're, correct. They're salespeople, Right. And I can remember I'm, I'm starting to tell Bob how to do this. And you know, you know Bob. Well, you yeah, know Bob. And yeah. He just looked at me and goes, are you, are you trying to tell me how to sell? <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, well, n- n- no, I'm, I'm just, he goes, go get on the phone. And so I can remember, so I go into my office and at the time, and it had been a long time since Bob and I had been spending 24-7 together. And uh, so it was funny because I'm calling about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes. And, and I think I, I'd either gotten, I think I'd gotten my second veterinarian to sign up where I'd gotten the credit card and we we're ready to go. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go and tell Bob, okay, Bob, this is how you do it. And, I, <laughs> and so I can remember, I opened the door and I was at one end and he was what, at the other like end. he's got like five? He's got this, four. This, he's got is, four. this <laughs> is the moment. This is the moment because he walks out and I walk and I start walking down and and I and uh, um, I said to him, "Hey man, 
you thinking what I'm thinking? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah. And I go, I go, I just got my second one. So this will work. I promise you we can do it. And that's when he looked at me. He goes, well, I've already got four. <laughs> <laughs> and so it worked. The dynamic of Bob and I worked extremely well together because um, he was extreme sales oriented. Yeah. And so, um, and so it allowed me to focus on the op side, like, okay, how are we going to charge these cards? Right. You know, and then yeah. how are we going to get the list from systems. the veterinarians? I mean, there was like 30 different software out there. It was, it was a very, it was very um, non, or not convoluted, but it was just like every area where a veterinarian had his brother, uncle, nephew, cousin, whatever, who was a coder, had written a piece of mm-hmm. software. Mm. And then they spread it around in their local. So there was no city. industry standard. No, yet, there was two. Side. There was two players that were starting to roll it up, but there was still forty. So it allowed that we were just it, it was a perfect timing. But that's the one I wish we'd have ran a video the entire time. Because man, talk about not knowing anything, you know, about <laughs> what we were doing is we're just closing veterinarians, getting listen, and then you know we. But put, I love that. That is the. I mean, that is the lesson there. Well, we you literally no put. Idea what you're doing. This is the truth. We li- put together the, our first version of American Lifestyle. We literally put it together that night. Now we had gotten yep. some of the articles and everything in. I can remember when you saying to me, "How are you going to do that?" I'm like, "Well, we'll just go do it. We'll, I'll call them up and I'll get it. You just you just put it together." But what I was saying is, but Bob and I, there was such a moment. It was just such a moment where it came together and it just it worked, man. And he started selling. He started managing the salespeople. I, I took off. I figured out how we're going to charge this. I went to the bank. Hey, we need to charge credit cards. You know, and how do we do that? Right. What's that process? Then I got a, a programmer in just to do that. Then I I I, I I'm I can do a lot of operations. So I grabbed FileMaker Pro and I wrote a CRM in FileMaker Pro one night. We just started using that. And I, I'm loading up veterinarians. I'm calling, <laughs> and this is breaking. This is crashing. But it was just a moment where it just it just. And uh, how many years did you guys do? In about a year magazine? and a half. I don't know if all my numbers are exactly right, but about in a year to a year and like a half, we had about one in every three veterinarian Jeez. that was working with us. <laughs> the, the mistake I made there was, and I'll blame it on the MBA, the only class that I didn't get the type of grade that, that I wanted to get was in accounting. But uh, once I got, once I started running, had to run my own books, you figure out what a debit is and a credit is extremely fast you know <laughs> and if you don't if you don't if you don't i don't understand why the, the count has a, what i'm saying is the real world accounting is how to learn accounting in my opinion sure. you know but you got to teach what a t is debits and credits and stuff like that but it was just in the bottom line was as an entrepreneur you never want to sell it less than than what it takes you to make it it never works yeah it's tried and true. actually that's that seems like a dumb moment for people maybe listening, but I want to point out that the temptation is always to lower your price. Right. And I've heard now, you're saying it now, Grant Cardone has said it, I've heard it from Ed Milet, you should be thinking how to raise your price. And right. sell it from, and that's a hard thing to do because you mm-hmm. always want to, it's like if you're a real estate agent with your commission. Yeah, why would you, you want to cut commission? your commission? You yeah, want to no, go, no way. but, but right. a lot of real estate agents do. They want to go, but that's well, your, I'm going to do 1%. It will kill you. It will kill you. Yeah, it you're already you. done at that point. Yeah, if you're, you're doing done. that, yeah, you're done. if you're done, you're done at that point. Yeah. Because done. you have to do such volumes. That's right. That's so, exactly right. you know, basically you learn, you are discounting yourself. The only saving grace that I'd say when I look back on that time, why did I do that? Because it seems right. If it takes you a buck to make the widget, yeah, 
and you're selling it for 50 cents, it doesn't take long to figure out. That ain't going to work. That's not going to work. But at that time, it was at the explosion of the dot-com industry. So it was like, it was all about getting eyeballs to the thing. I mean, you have to understand. You thought of it as a lost leader. Oh, I thought we were getting eyeballs to our website. In fact, we were going to do a superstore. And, and the old term, the oxygen, it was sucked out of the, out of the venture capital firm firms means after Pest.com had gotten all the money, there was nothing left for any wealth, even though Pest.com didn't really have a way to get people to their website. And here I am, got this huge, massive list of millions. Yeah, the pet socket, socket. that's right. But we went out, and in two weeks, Bobby and I and the team, we would work during the day, and then we would go to a warehouse. And and we found, since no one wanted to work with us because of the Pets.com relationship, and there was Petopia out there who was hooked up with Petco. So we found this guy, Ari. I can't remember his last name. I'm laughing because... We went out and convinced Ari, hey, Ari, we're going to sell the living tar out of this pet stuff because we have all the things. We need to do a pet. So I think we called our, our we were petworld.com. I think who we were. Was it Pet World? We had a little globe and we had a little <laughs> sign coming out. But in two weeks, in two weeks, we photographed, knocked the backgrounds, which is kind of why I knew we could do the green screen right? because I'd done this, but we photographed literally thousands of items, even all the fish-related ones. Fish-related ones, we would just put them up, we would write on the card the number in black marker, we'd take a photograph of it, we'd put in the FileMaker Pro database the number, what it was, mm. and the description. So your whole plan was, I create this pet magazine to get eyeballs, to drive them to petworld.com, to buy dog food, cat food, whatever. Dude, it would have been a home run. It's really well, why wasn't it? Why why did it like what's the lesson there? Like well, well, the lesson back, I say is we, we got it up, but the problem was we were selling if I if I could go back and do what I do right now, I'd raise the price immediately. I'd raise the price because the truth is veterinarians were getting something that was educating their clients on the value of who they were as a veterinarian. So I was giving it away. It's the same thing what I say to gotcha. what I say to 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 the listeners, especially if you're a realtor or a financial advisor, whatever industry you're in, it's putting something into the hands of your clients that's going to remind them of the value that you place on them is, is critical, especially as we're going into a data world. You know, everybody's talking about we're going into a data world, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my argument, the good thing, everybody thinks it's terrible, but the good thing about a data world is I think business is going to boil down to one thing, and that's relationships. Right. Nothing else. Everything Nothing else is going to matter. In, in a lot of industries, it gets commoditized. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it's not that real estate might get commoditized at some point, but once it's commoditized, who's going to win? It's the realtors that understand the relationship and do a good job of connecting it. Yep. Whether it's with Reminder Media, with our American Lifestyle, our, our digital edition, our social media component, you know, we're hoping to deliver on a couple other things that the realtors are We asking. will deliver. Hope okay, is, we will. Hope you know, is not the right. Okay, yeah, we, yeah. Will, we will deliver. Luke will deliver, right? <laughs> hey, you Josh can, and you have so much energy. Guys, that is know? a golden nugget right there. Luke will deliver. That's right. Luke golden nugget. Luke. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is those that can do that, those that can do that are going to survive whatever. You already see how the internet is affecting real estate sales as it is today, even more so than it was in 2004, 5, 6, and 7 oh, and so yeah. forth. You see how it's happening. What it's going to boil down to is the realtors that succeed are the ones that can drive those relationships and yep. drive them home. And so I would have raised my price and gotten on down the road, and I would right. have killed it. I would have, I would have been huge. I would have known. I would have. So had, did it, does that boil back in your mind for all the entrepreneurs that are listening to this? Is it that you should have believed more in your idea and gone for it all? Like it's almost like the. 
maybe it's not the right analogy, but swing away. Like if you're going to play, play all the way. No, I think um, it's what you're saying. It's your, the value of what you're selling. I don't know understand the, the value uh, of what you're selling. I understand that the value at the time I was doing it. At the time I was doing it for the cost of a stamp, but we had raised it up just a little bit because we were just bleeding. Right. So we had raised it up to sixty cents or sixty. 69 cents or something like that. I can't remember. We raised it a little bit, you know, but, but, but what price do you put on, on educating your clients on why they should come to you? And, and the see, same I thing, the same thing. See, no, but it's, 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 like, it's like what would I, what I try to tell our account executives downstairs when they're talking to realtors, they're getting into a battle of price or, or the team that's going after the financial advisors and helping them. You're getting into a discussion on the value of my magazine. I think the discussion should be how valuable is the relationship? Because if it's not worth what I'm going to charge you for the magazine, then right. you should go find something else. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be aggressive. Now these people are saying, oh, I'm getting to know him a little bit. I'm trying to tell you something. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want to invest 24 bucks a year, in in then I wish you the Good. best of luck. Of luck. I wish you the best of luck. No, I think that's so powerful, man. I think the people listening to this, like, think about your product. Think about what you're selling. And, you know, right. if you don't have the confidence level to where you're worth the money that they're paying you. Well, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you, why are you even in that business? It's kind of like, like making the phone calls. Get out of calls. that business. It's kind of like making the phone calls. The idea on relationship marketing and, and that the way I see the world, you know, and... and as long as I can have an opportunity to lean the organization, that's what I'm going to tell them. It's, it's like everything that you do has got to drive the relationship to give you to have the personal touch. I mean, the more we get going, I mean, and everybody knows this, you know, you go to a restaurant, you look around. Everybody's on their phone. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's sitting there. I mean, I mean, I'm sitting there and they're going like this, you know, and I'm kind of like, I was out, you know, I was out with someone the other day and, and uh, we were having uh, dinner and I was, I was, said to her, I was like, look around. I, I, and, and I looked around and I was just catching myself because I had my phone there beside it and I was yeah. looking around and I was realizing, wait a second. So what I have, and she would tell you, I'm probably not doing as good a job as I should, but I am <laughs> keeping it you know, in my pocket a whole lot more. You know, well, I've had to be so conscious of that. I mean, you yeah. just have to. It's just so natural. It's such a distraction. But you ever yeah, feel right. it vibrate when you don't actually have the it? The phantom vibration. Yeah, the yeah. phantom. That's a real thing. <laughs> and then if you get a watch, like I've got an Apple watch, and I get the same thing on my yeah. wrist. Do you now. really? Yeah. That's so, so crazy. So with the point I was making, come back to what I was saying, I was saying it's the relationship that counts, and it's making those phone calls, and everything that we're trying to do, and, and everything that we do. It's to enhance that, is to make those phone calls. You know, the golden tip that, that I would give everybody's listening, if you want to work with Reminder Media, make, use, use our tools to set you up for that emotional connection. And, yeah, and for, for the actual real proactive outreach to yeah, your clients. Yeah. No, I 100%. And you have to sell on those. When you start finding out that the, your top 50 people that are in your database, when you start finding out, and the goal I, we just do is just 50. Start there because we know we can impact, we can impact businesses. But... Truth is, you want to try to get 150 or even 175 or even 200 relationships where you can call them and you can invest in them. And when you start investing in them, it's just a natural. Referrals will come. That's a piece of cake. But if they don't know who you are and they don't know that you have a vested interest in that relationship, the odds of getting it are not good. So you did the pet magazine, yep. right? And I want to get to now what everybody knows us as, which is really American Lifestyle Magazine. You know, the company's Reminder Media. We have a ton of products, but our flagship product that a lot of people know is American Lifestyle. After the pet magazine, and it, you went on to sell that, right? So you went on to sell mm -hmm. the pet magazine. So, and there's a whole story we could get into there, but for the sake of time, we'll jump to the, the, the 
you know, creation of American Lifestyle Magazine. Sure. What made you go, man, I can do this for real estate agents to do exactly what you just talked about, which is get the referrals, build the relationships. That well, since Josh told me he wants a lot of teasers, I'll throw a teaser out in yeah. there. You know, I just, uh, I just realized that realtors, um, I just came across and realized that one of the challenges that they have is staying connected to the people because the problem is, not the problem, but the issue is the average homeowner, it's moved around, but it's seven years. If you look back, I believe, and don't quote me on it, but I believe it's seven years. It, it, when, it, when the market's when got real hot, when they move, yep. got down to five, and it, it might, in slower times, it might go up to nine, but it's seven is the number. It's hard. You got to have a long-term vision for, for maintaining a connection over seven years. Mm. We're in such a society where it's immediate responses that people want. But what triggered you in real estate? I know... All right, well, you're, you're pulling the teaser out. So yeah, I guess. I'm pulling, I'm pulling out teaser. like this is right, Katie Couric interviewing. Yeah. We can go there. Pulling All right. Out. Well, once we sold, uh, once I sold uh, the other company, moved back here to Pennsylvania where we're based and because uh, I went to college and family around and everything. And so m- my business partner was my college roommate. And so him and his wife were, as I said, in the video, were coming for church one day. And she, in that moment, made the decision that, hey, I want to look at a house because that's the moment. And you never know when that's going to happen. Boom, this person is now ready to buy. Mm. You can have indications of when someone's going to buy. Yeah. But you don't ever know when that person is mentally going to say, I'm ready to buy. Yeah, and a lot of times, I've read one time, it's like 14 to 16 months, the process of someone it could buying be. a home. Yeah. So but in that moment, she saw an open house. We went in. And just in there, I didn't know anything about real estate. Nothing. Other than I know what a realtor did. They sell homes. Right. But I didn't understand 3% buy side, 3% right. sell side. I didn't understand any of that stuff. But as a salesperson, I immediately picked up that this realtor really only wanted to know were they were, were they uh, did they have a realtor and and or mm. were they working with someone? And it was real obvious he wasn't he was very obvious about that. <laughs> and I didn't understand at the time initially why, but I real quickly realized because if you have a realtor, guess what? I've got to sell you this house, this house, this house. And but if you don't, I can sell you any house. I can become your realtor. And so he did a great job on that. I will tell you that. He did a great job. So maybe I should say he did a great job in the first one because he pulled that out almost immediately. And then he shifted gears and said, hey, I want to, I'll want i be a realtor and so forth. Mm-hmm. And we look at what he's looking for. And then he started doing what real good realtors do. By the time we had gotten home, he had already left a message for them on their on their answering machine. And he was going to be emailing them, you know, additionals. And he was he was already just making the assumption, I'm your realtor at that point. And so then I just realized that. And so then it just became searching and realizing, okay, there's an issue there. You know, there's an issue there. And so like, like, because the issue was the people, your partner, they worked with a realtor they before, couldn't remember three to four years yeah, ago. Well, about five, they, five they had bought the house there in Mount Joy where they lived about five years ago. So they were right at that five year mark. And so, but, but so, and, and, and I don't want to say random, but a random real real estate agent at an open house. Random now. We don't know who now has, now, now has that client. Yeah. And sold them the house they bought and yeah. sold the house in Mount Joy. Right. So then as I, as you, as to, I didn't understand it right then. I understand it today. There's a 3%, 3%. That was a huge day for that guy that, that we stopped off there. It was huge for him. And the but, only thing that was missing was the past relationship. Well, in, in hindsight, what Bob said, you know, and you've heard him say this before, is like, yeah, I was getting, I don't want to say what who, the company or anything <laughs> like that, but I was getting the postcards. And postcards are great for a certain level of connectivity sure. that you're trying to achieve because we do them. Yep. So they're great for 
for prospecting for your farming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but for but for like the relationship that you as just, Luke would say, they suck for relationships. Yeah, they do. They <laughs> suck. So they so, go right in the garbage. <laughs> right. So when so when we uh, I don't know where you got that from. When when we when uh, so when we got home and we realized that, and then over the next day or two, where we realized there's something here because we were looking at what are we going to do next, and so we realized, hey, that could be a problem. So then. We just went down to a, to the Barnes and Noble and bought a, a uh, Country Living magazine, and we tore out forty eight pages. And then we had Josh because I think you were with us at the time, even though we didn't know what we were going to do. You were still working. We were selling cars. And we were doing that. So I said, "Hey, whoop me up a, a cover. Call it. I think we call, was it your home. The first one was your home. home. That's right. Yeah. Make up. And it didn't look very good at the time. Josh, he was his design skills were a little rough. Yeah. Craft. Yes, he was. A, we didn't have the review process. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We didn't have the meetings that we need to have. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we did the covers around it. We, we stapled it. And then uh, we went over, Bob and I went over to the Remax office there in, in Lancaster and asked if we could just talk to the realtors when they come in. We had this great idea. And I can just remember it was funny. Another moments where they were looking at it and they would see the your home and they kind of liked the cover, kind of. So they would open it up and then be like, well, this is country living. And we'd be like, man, don't worry about that. That's just the pretend, concept. That's the concept. Pretend would you. And by the time we got home that day, I think we had five, six, seven, eight messages from realtors. And they were all asking buying questions. Wow. We didn't even know the cost. You know, we were like, they were asking us how much it cost. And we were like, I don't know, what. Dollar fifty? Yeah, two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and that, or what if I was doing a thousand? You know, so, so you just kind of you got this sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got the sense, hey, this will work. And, the, and this time, this time, this time, we did do a little bit uh, of what's called a pro forma. <laughs> we said, how many realtors are out there? You know, and then we, right. you, know, you did a little how, bit of market research. Yes, we did a little more than just let's plug two phones in and start calling and closing veterinarians without having any idea as to what do you do then. So you, it's at the almost market. like have you seen that Far Side where the dog it has like um, has caught the car or you know how they chase the car and the car is stopped and the dog is there and he's like and the the caption is. What do I do now? You know, so it was almost. So this was a little different. It wasn't like, what do I do now? I knew what to do, but then it was like, let's get a performance together. Downtown, let's put it together, and then let's put a price on this thing. And now, where do the numbers scale in terms of printing? You know, we got to get to hundreds of thousands of these things. Right. So, what will the printer not completely kill us on if we only have? And so we real quickly we started selling and and closing and, and going, and then we didn't look back from there. Now, did I know it would work? As I said to him, that I know it would work. I can, as yeah, I can remember. You know, this is going to work. Yeah, it's going to work. Don't worry, about it. it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, it's going to work. <laughs> and I'll note, you had invested everything you had. At that point, everything one. that we had, you know, which uh, which wasn't a lot. So I just story. point that out because I think it's powerful. We talked about the reset to bring it full circle. Yeah. One is the just the idea to monetization. Yeah. The idea was realtors have a problem that keeping in touch. So yeah. you go to Barnes and Noble, you get a you know or whatever you know get the home living or whatever, it put it together, go see if someone will buy it. So that comes full circle. And the other is that you not that you reset again, but you take all the risk again. Here you sell your pet magazine, and you don't go for security. You take all that and invest in a That's brand right, but new Luke, company. As president, it reminded me yeah. we do not want to reset again. Yeah. <laughs> we do not want to reset again. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're going all in now. So, you know, obviously, because, you know, we're running out of time here. But let's talk, you know, just a little bit about in your experience of growing Reminder Media Mm -hmm. to wrap it up is 
you know, it's been amazing. This year we'll work with probably 38,000, 40,000 small business clients mm -hmm. uh, from where it was 17, 16 years ago in a garage. You know, what has been in the, what would you tell the entrepreneurs listening to this? Like, what would you tell, you know, the people just getting into real estate now, the financial advisors that are trying to scale their business? What are some of the, the tips you would give them that you've learned over the last... 16 years. I, I think the number one thing is, is just you just got to believe in what you're doing. You just got to come back to believing in what you're doing. So often, I think when people fail, it, it and, and you've said this, and it's that you can have a great idea, it doesn't get much sale. You can have a terrible, terrible idea. product or terrible product idea, and it gets tons. So you got to believe in, in what you're doing, you know, and, and I think that comes across. And if you're a financial advisor out there, if you don't believe in what you're trying to do to help these people plan for their future, if you don't, if you're a realtor, if you're not believing that you're going to help people find their house, if you're a mortgage, title, a pool cleaner, you know, if, if you if you don't have a passion for the people that are going to be your relationships to keep those, to open the pool up for the summer, to keep it clean, if, if that's not... If you don't have a passion for that, money just doesn't motivate. It just, I mean, it does, but it doesn't. It doesn't hold true. So my biggest tip is just got to believe, number one, in, in what you do. And then don't be afraid to take risks. Don't, don't be afraid to take risks in, in all aspects of it. If you're a realtor out there and you got a great idea on how you can capture apartment sales or something like that, just do it. Just, just go do just it. Just do it. Just do it. Fail fast. Yeah, who's yeah, who's this? Is that, is that know, my uh, Luke Acre. Well, okay, right. I didn't. I, thought, I know you've seen that somewhere because I've read <laughs> fail that. Fail fast, but yeah, it's, it's fail fast. You know, it's fail fast. And when you're saying that, it makes me think of the uh, time we mentioned on the podcast that lady who spoke. It was a real estate agent that s says she, I think, it was door knocking. You know, terrified of door knocking, but my, oh, right. but my why is bigger than my fear. Yeah, and I think in a practicality sense, sense. when you hear belief, guys, and you, it's like the reason why it's so powerful is because belief is what you said. It's, it breeds execution, and execution brings the money and everything yeah. else that flows from it. But it's like your belief is bigger than your yeah. fears, Yeah, yeah. and it, it makes you be able to do the risk. And then the, no, the second one that I would tell you is, is be careful. Be careful um, where you get advice. You know, be careful, mm. be careful. Because, and, and it's not because it's evil intent advice. It has nothing to do with that. But if you're asking, if you're asking someone who, who, who hasn't walked through anything, what it takes to walk through something, the advice you're probably going to get is go down the primrose path, <laughs> which is never going to get you there. But you got to be willing to ask the people who, who have gotten there because they're going to, they're not, they might help you, but they probably won't help you. But at least they'll tell you, yeah, you know, if you, if you want to climb the mountain, you got to keep going. You can't ask the guy that's behind you. Hey, what do you think I need to do to go to the next level, to get to the next height on this hill? What do you think I should do? He's still trying to figure out how to put the ladder up and go one thing at a time. And you're, you're somewhere where you're looking at something, and this looks insurmountable. No, it's only insurmountable in your mind. You have to then look at it and then figure out, how am I going to get past this? That's so valuable in the world of Instagram today and YouTube. Everybody's a coach. Yeah. Every, everybody's a coach. Every, you know, there's a powerful uh, saying of like, don't look at what people say, look at what they do. Do, yes, of course. What they yes, do. Of course. So like, it's a, it's a really easy way to, to get direction. And also when you think about, you know, Facebook and its success, Facebook is just a rip off of MySpace and MySpace is just a rip off of Friendster. Sure. And you think of like your checkbooks, Freedom Checkbooks. It was just a reset. It was just a reset of, of past books or whatever. It's like, 
you're looking at, don't try to reinvent the wheel, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. Is like, look at the people who've gone before you. They have models that work. Take the best of that and implement it day in and day out, and you'll tweak it. And we keep yeah. saying now, it's literally just action, tracking what you do, and then learn to pivot. Learn to pivot. Yeah, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, you know. One of the funniest things that is I have very few people around me that can do this. When I, when I was going through this, the only person that really did this is Bob. We were, we were in the other building, and, uh, and for the people that know me, I can, <laughs> I believe, you know. And so sometimes it's very hard for me to say, hey, you know, I got to let go of that belief. It's very hard. I have very few people that can get me to, to, to let go of a belief. I have very few. But I can remember this one issue, and I was adamant about it. I was just adamant about it. Um, and I remember um, after certain things, I remember I was in my office, and Bob came in that night after we were still working, probably 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. And he comes in. He says, hey, I'm, I'm going to go take off. He goes, I'll see you in the morning. And I said, okay. And he goes, hey, uh, I'll tell you one thing. He goes, and, and this is what, here's another golden nugget. If you're going to build something big, sometimes you know, sometimes realtors are independent, you know, and the financial advisor just ones. If you're going to build a team, here's, here's, here's what I've also learned. And I try to, with all my senior execs, I'm constantly trying to remind everyone of this is like, Bob looked at me and he goes, Hey, you know that issue? And I was like, yeah. He goes, I'll tell you something. He says, uh, it's, it's a, you're dragging around a dead horse. He goes, I'll tell you something. It's, it stinks. It's awful. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm looking at him and he goes, and and I want you to know, everyone around you thinks it stinks and it's awful. I said, but I want you to know something, man. He says, says, I'm going to tell that to you. He's about to tell you something. He says, when I go out there, he goes, I'm going to, because I'm going to continue to drag that dead horse around as long as you want me to drag that dead horse around. <laughs> and I remember, and he goes, but I want you to know that I'm with you, man, and we're going to drag that dead horse as long as you want to drag. So he left. And, I can, and Bob was very good at what he did. He was very, very good. And we had a great relationship. You know, we really did. Um, and uh, I can remember I went home that night. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I remember Came in the next day, and I remember I, I, I Bob, I got together. I usually met with him first thing in the morning before we kicked the day off. And, and I looked at him, and I said, are you sure it's dead? <laughs> goes, I got dude. a little whiff of it last night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, dude, I've, I, he goes, I, I've tried to resuscitate that baby. <laughs> but there's nothing left to resuscitate. That's so good. And I, and I just was like, all right, we're changing course. Let's go, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but those people that you have around that can, can do that with you, man, you got to have a level of trust with them that is extremely high. You got to have it. And those are the people, else, even outside of Reminder Media, I know several individuals. I won't drop names or anything, but I know, I know individuals because of where I'm at and the opportunities that I've had with Reminder Media. You know, I've sat with you know, that golden nugget I gave you with that one financial, you know, CEO, mm-hmm. you know, that I gave to you. When you're at that level, you, you want to listen to those. You want to listen to those people because they've just gotten, they, 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 they've seen things. And I think that's what I try to do, not just with you, but mm-hmm. with you and the rest of my senior exec staff. And, um, and, and you've it, done it with the audience today. I, I've tried. I've tried. I mean, it's really got to go. Self-reflection. Dude, yep. it was worth the wait. 
It took yeah. us a hundred episodes. <laughs> it took us a, how many hours? Dude, we could go on for hours and hours. I'd love to do another one on the just the journey of reminder. Yeah, Media we didn't even get into like, like we didn't get into the nitty a little gritty bit of the of first magazine building sample, out like the things that we've been through. Incredible. I mean, oh man, crazy. yeah, some of those stories. Of yeah. Some of the stories, like when the first printing, we had issues with that. All right, we're going to save it. We're, yeah, we'll we're, we're going to do a whole new episode. We are going to get you back. When, it might we'll, we'll talk about 200. the time where we lost, you know, $1.2 million, I think it was, an account worth that. But, yep. that you know, so yeah. that will make time. you nervous. Yeah, I'm going to sit that one yeah, out. Thank you <laughs> so much for listening to this episode of Stay Paid. If you liked what you heard, please go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, make sure to leave a comment. You can also find our podcast, including this one, in video on youtube.com slash reminder media. I have to tell you, it's weird not speaking into a mic. Mm. Have you noticed this? Yeah, it is. And I'm not sure where to look. Like this new studio yeah, is gonna take a my, while. The volume, to like the inflections going all over the place, I feel like, in my voice because I'm not I'm not talking into a yeah. We have that safety, that safety yeah. of the microphone. Hey, I, oh, a, well, I got one more golden nugget. Yes. <laughs> is uh, every realtor is in a relationship-based business. They all have a database of contacts, and each and every contact knows three to five people. Let's help them connect to those people. Let's help them capture those leads. Let's help them convert. Because if we do that, we're, we're, we're Preach going. it. And if you'd That's like it. to connect with me or Luke or Stay Paid Podcast, you can hit us up on Instagram at Stay Paid Podcast. Do us a favor. Tell someone else about the podcast. If you're looking to figure out how to support the show, if you're buying Reminder Media stuff, mm. awesome. That's one way to support That's it. Right. That's the right. best way to support it. If you're not there yet, you can also tell a friend, here's how the conversation's going to go. Your friend's going to ask you, hey, have you heard any new great podcasts lately? You're going to say yes. Check out Stay Paid. <laughs> Episode 100 is a gem. You can also find Reminder Media on social media. We are at Reminder Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest for this episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike. And I'm Luke Aker. Guys, in the action item, man, it's, it's such a great story hearing the entrepreneur's journey. You know, but I think two action items I think that you can reflect on today is one is, you know, what is that belief that's driving you? And do you have a belief that's big enough to uh, yeah. overcome your inaction? Because this whole podcast is about taking action. Like our desire as we create this content is to try to inspire you a little bit and give you a golden nugget, a tip that you can turn around and right after you listen to this, take action on. That's what we close every podcast with. So what is that belief that you have that is big enough to help you overcome your fear? So if you're not making the cold calls today, if you didn't yeah. do that, but you know you needed to do that, you need to check your belief mm -hmm. and you need to do that right now. And, and maybe you call it your why. What is it that is helping you overcome that fear? And then second, because I don't want to leave this out because I think it's super powerful. What's the dead horse you're dragging around right now? What is that dead horse that you're dragging around that you know stinks, that people have told you that stinks? Get rid of that right now. Drop that right now in your life and start focusing on the future. Let that dead horse go. Remember, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in any industry is top producers take action. So take action on that today.